0: We got our buddy James Johnson from ProFootballSpot.com, who has been kind enough to stay with us during the break. James, you still with us? Yes, sir. James, thanks so much, buddy, for uh, for being patient there. Got to make sure that uh, we pay the bills. James Johnson from ProFootballSpot.com. He covers the Jacksonville Jaguars. But, uh, James, now that the Jaguar season is done, uh, do you turn your attention to covering uh, the teams that are left in the playoffs?
1: Absolutely, that, and I turned my uh, attention to the off-season work, uh, the Senior Bowl, you know, all the draft work, uh, the All-Star games, and whatnot. And uh, I started doing more work on the uh, college field of things as
0: well. Well, James, let's uh, before we start off taking a look at the uh, the playoff games. And by the way, James, I've, I've said it so many times here on the show, you know, I love football in general. I love high school football. I love college football. But, man, I really love the NFL, and especially NFL playoff football. is just nothing like that first Saturday of the playoffs, the uh, the wild card weekend, as I like to say, with uh, do or die, the best in the business, the speed of the game. There's nothing like it, and uh, I'm sure you feel the same way.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's where it started for me, my love for football with the NFL uh, coming up as a kid, watching the Jags on NBC, and then turning around and watching the Falcons on Fox. And uh, it pretty much uh, started from there, From for me at least.
0: Well, before we talk about the uh, the wild card weekend, uh, I was a little surprised that um, Lovie Smith fired yesterday by the Tampa Bay Yuccaneers. And, uh, I thought once he, uh, yeah, James, that's something I like to do with teams, brother. Uh, I like to get, I like to throw in my own little, uh, um, uh, the, my own little names of their teams. But, um, I thought that once, uh, Lovey Smith survived Black Monday, that he was in the clear, but, uh, uh, apparently, uh, not so fast as the, uh, the ownership of the, uh, the Bucks decided to let Lovey Smith go.
1: Yeah, the uh, Glazer family down there um, decided to cut ties with them, and uh, it came as a surprise to me and a bunch of other people, you know, that watch football, it came as a surprise, too. Because, you know, Larry Smith only has been there for two years, and he pretty much inherited a big mess there. So his first year, I didn't really hold against him. He didn't have the guy that he wanted at quarterback, as we all know, they drafted Jameis Winston uh, last year, or for this season, should I say. And, you know, he really started to begin, at least, to get his pieces in place, you know, in the beginning of last year's draft for this season. So that being said, you know, it was a bit premature, at least in my opinion, for them to fire him and this is a guy that I would at least gave three to four years considering what he inherited. But then on the flip side, I guess the Buccaneers didn't like the progress he made. I think it's eight games that he's won in two years, but then again, like I said, he inherited such a big mess. And another thing I think goes into it is that the team and the players really like the offensive coordinator over there. So that being said, This is a guy that I'm familiar with. He was offensive coordinator for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And uh, that being said, I guess they want to rally around him and possibly make him head coach, as it's been rumors that they will maybe do that and they're going to interview some others.
0: Of course, other other surprises, rather. You know, just as I was surprised to see Levy Smith not make it, not survive the week, I was also surprised, and I think most people were, on the pleasant side of things that Tom Coughlin um no, no not, not not Tom Coughlin. I'm sorry, that wasn't a surprise. But that um uh Choke Pagano rather uh was uh was not only kept by the Indianapolis Colts, but they gave him a contract extension. Uh that was a big surprise.
1: Absolutely. And um on the, um, what I was saying before, on the uh, offensive coordinator, Dirk Carter is his name. It escaped my mind for some reason. I know you have the moments every now and then, too, Phil. Oh,
0: but I Dirk, do. Dirk, Dirk, no, no, not Phil. Not Phil. No, no, no. Not Phil. <laughs> yeah, Dirk Cutter also, of course, former uh, a play caller for the Atlanta Falcons.
1: Yes, yes. Familiar with him as well. Worked with Mike Smith uh, in Atlanta. And prior, worked with Mike Smith in Jacksonville. So, yep. very familiar with him over there. But, um, anyhow... As y'all were saying about the um, the situation with,
0: who was it? Uh, well, was about, uh, Chuck Pagano uh, of the right. Colts. was. So I was surprised to see him retained.
1: Right. Chuck Pagano, surprised to see him retained as well. Last week, you remember when y'all asked me on this, I thought he was a goner. And I didn't necessarily think the situation in Indianapolis was his fault necessarily because the GM hasn't really done him any favors there. They haven't drafted particularly well over there, if you ask me, other than Andrew Luck and T.Y. Hilton, uh, maybe uh, Anthony Costanzo. Other than those guys, they really haven't hit on their first-round picks or they haven't hit on any of their other picks. So that situation wasn't necessarily his part. And I think that their owner, Jim Irsay, might have saw that. But then again, on the flip side, they elected to keep the GM as well, who, once again, I think a lot of their struggles has to do with him and his lack of success in the draft and in free agency as well. He hasn't hit on his free agency picks as well. They spent a lot of money in free agency at points in time, Mm -hmm. and they haven't been successful at doing so. So I think they should have probably got rid of Ryan Griggs and maybe kept Pagano. But then again, you have situations where if you hire a new GM, that GM's going to want a new head coach. So maybe they didn't want to deal with that.
0: Um, uh, talk about the uh, the Chip Kelly situation. Uh, who do you think uh, uh, Chip Kelly is going to be a candidate for to return to the NFL?
1: Well, Ian Rappaport of NFL Network said the market for Chip Kelly as of now is kind of dry. He did reach out to the 49ers. Of course, you got to think the Titans are high on his list. And now that, as as you all just talked about, that Lovie Smith is gone from Tampa Bay, you got to think he might be high on their interview list if they don't want to interview Dirk Dirk Cotter for the position. Because years and years ago, well, I won't say years and years ago, but roughly four years ago, they tried to interview Chip Kelly, the Glazer family down in Tampa Bay, and he did interview. They liked what they heard from him. But he pulled back and decided to go back to Oregon and stay and uh, coach the the Ducks over there. So that being said, they got a good relationship with him. They like what they saw, and they liked his interview skills. And they might elect to interview him again for the head coaching position in Tampa Bay. So Levy Smith's firing could have been the best thing for Chip Kelly because prior the market was looking a little thin for him.
0: All right, uh, let's talk about the uh, the games coming up uh, this Saturday. And I think this is the first, uh, James, if I'm not mistaken, normally you have both an AFC and an NFC game on Saturday and an AFC and NFC game on Sunday. But this year is a little bit different in that on Saturday we've got the AFC teams playing, and then on Sunday the two NFC teams are playing. I can't remember the, the, the last time that ever happened, if ever.
1: Yeah, I can't remember the last time that happened either. And one thing that surprised me is that the um, one of the NFC games that's coming on Sunday is coming on in the afternoon, if I'm not mistaken. That's the Seahawks and Minnesota game on NBC. You rarely see afternoon games on NBC, at least from the NFL. So I thought that was kind of different as well. If I can recall, I don't think they did that last year either, so. Uh, something a little different there, but, um, I mean, I like how they set it up because all of these games are solid uh, starting from the beginning to the end.
0: Yeah, uh, talk about the first game that we'll get, Saturday afternoon, and as traditional, that this is traditional, in that Saturday you've got the two uh, later games, Sunday, kind of, kind of the earlier games, we'll start off Saturday afternoon at 430 As Kansas City and Houston go at it on uh, ABC uh, and ESPN, um, you know what? i got to be honest with you. I think Houston is a pretender. I think Kansas City is definitely a contender.
1: And I would agree with you on both of those statements. We know Houston all too well, uh, being that we cover the Jacksonville Jaguars. And believe it or not, I mean, whoever came out of this division, even, you know, our beloved Jaguars, you know, whoever came out of this division of winner was going to be probably the worst team in the playoffs. And that's the case here. As the Kansas City Chiefs, especially on defense, are no joke. And the Texans struggle on offense, and we've seen it. They might not have struggled against our Jaguars, but traditionally, at least this year, they haven't been all that great of an offensive team. And when you look at their stats deeply, Against the uh at least passing the ball they're twenty second in yards overall per game they're nineteenth in uh let's see uh points they were twenty second excuse me in the pass they're eighteenth and rushing the ball they're fifteenth so they're not really in the top tier of any category of any major offensive category. That being said, you look at the Chiefs on on the other side they are third in points allowed they don't allow a lot of points averaging 17.9 a game uh, they don't allow a lot of yards they're seventh in that category they're ninth against the pass and they're eighth against the rush that doesn't bode well if you are the Houston Texans who do play good defense but i think at the end of the day that the Kansas City Chiefs offense has been hot enough as well to get past whatever challenges the Houston Texans defense might throw at them. So I think it's going to be a low-scoring game for the Texans, and I think the Kansas City Chiefs have what it takes on offense to get past the Texans defense.
0: This game is going to be at Reliance Stadium by, by virtue of Houston being the uh, the AFC South winner. But strange that both these teams are even in the playoffs when you look back at the year that uh, they started with, with Houston Starting off awful, I can remember the Falcons beat them forty-one to nothing. They had another mm-hmm. game where they were down like forty to nothing at the half. So right. to see them come back as a division winner is unbelievable. And then Kansas City started off one in five, but they'll come into this game as the hottest team in the NFL. So again, that'll be the uh, the first game on Saturday, four thirty, uh, Kansas City at Houston. Let's talk about the late game Saturday night. Pittsburgh at Cincinnati, boy, it's always a good one when these two get together, much less in a playoff matchup.
1: Yeah, and and the past has been a big-time hard-hitting matchup, and a matchup between good defenses. And not to say the Bengals' defense isn't good anymore, but they're not what they used to be, and we certainly know the Pittsburgh Steelers' defense isn't what it used to be as well, so... Now we're looking at a team that the 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 time has changed over there. They're more better of offensive teams than they were defensive teams back in the day. And we got Pittsburgh, who's like second in the passing game. We know how dynamic they can be with Ben Roethlisberger when he extends plays. Um, Antonio Brown, top five player in the league, hands down, very good receiver. And, uh, you know, the Bengals are no slouch either. Hugh Jackson has them playing very good offense. That's their offensive coordinator, who probably going to be a head coach when the playoffs are over. He has them playing good football over there. Andy Dalton has had the best, you know, year of his career. And furthermore, when AJ McCarron has had to step in in his place, he's been playing very good football. So that is credited to Hugh Jackson and how he is good with quarterbacks. Uh, they got AJ Green, obviously Tyler Eifert, and they even run the ball well. I think they're like fifth in rushing or somewhere in that department. So it's going to be a good game nonetheless. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers will win due to the fact that they have experience there. Not saying the Bengals don't, but they're starting A.J. McCarron. And for him to go against a veteran team like the Steelers, you got to go with the Steelers there. I'm looking well, along the lines of 28 to, like,
0: Seventeen and AJ McCarron better watch out because Pittsburgh has a history of absolutely demolishing Cincinnati quarterbacks. We remember what happened when the uh, the defensive tackle I can't remember his name back in two thousand five came through and blasted Carson Palmer. Of course, now the Arizona quarterback. By the way, what a comeback! Great comeback story there. But remember when Carson Palmer uh, they blew out his left knee. Cincinnati was winning that playoff game, but after that. Uh Palmer went out, John Kitna came in, and the rest was history, as they say. And, of course, now most recently, Pittsburgh, uh uh you know, uh Andy Dalton goes out against Pittsburgh. That was more of a fluke play. I get that. But still, A.J. McCarron doesn't want to be the latest in a line of Cincinnati quarterbacks to be disabled by the Pittsburgh defense. Let's move on to the Seattle-Minnesota game. That will be that early game you talked about on NBC, and that is a rarity for NBC to have a day game in the NFL, but so go the playoffs where we see different uh, TV matchups as well. Ought to be a good one. Seattle, I think they are the team to watch for. Minnesota up and coming with Adrian Peterson. It's going to be Peterson and his rushing prowess against that powerful Seattle defense.
1: Yeah, and the weather is going to be an element in this game. Um, They're going to be playing in the um, University of Minnesota Stadium. As we all know, the Vikings are having their stadium built. I think they said it's going to be in the negatives. Somebody said like negative twenty or something. (laughs) Something something ridiculous.
0: And they'll all and and they'll all be wearing short sleeves. Yeah, (laughs) just to try and prove a point, right? (laughs) That's unbelievable, isn't it? Are you kidding me? Short sleeves, man. That that's yeah, mind over matter, right? That's uh. Yeah, that's crazy, and I've I've heard the same thing about the uh, the weather. Now, is that going to play? Is that going to be uh, an advantage for Minnesota? I mean, Seattle plays outdoors in the, in the rain where it rains all the time in Seattle, but uh, you got to think that Minnesota is going to have the edge just because they are a cold weather team.
1: Well, I, I would say normally they would, but as you said, Seattle plays in crazy conditions, and furthermore, Seattle has played in crazy conditions in the playoffs on the road. I know y'all can remember when RG3 was the quarterback. They went over to Washington, beat them. That was a very cold game. And the the Seahawks are just battle-tested on the road, no matter if it's 100 degrees or if it's zero. So that being said, I think the Seattle Seahawks is going to win this game. So for me, looking at it, the three away teams that we've mentioned so far, I think all three of those teams win. Um... The Seattle Seahawks are red hot, especially on offense. They're putting up like 30 points or near 30 points, at least for these last eight games. They figured out the passing offense. Doug Baldwin is on fire. And they get Marshawn Lynch back. And Russell Wilson is playing like a top five quarterback right now. So that doesn't line up well for Minnesota, who was going into this game with a fairly young Teddy Bridgewater, somebody who I really like. Talked about him a lot in the draft, but is Teddy Bridgewater ready for this team who is pretty much first or second in every major defensive category? I don't think so. That said, I'm going with the Seahawks 28-14. to
0: Yeah, these teams played back on December the 6th, and uh, it was all Seattle in a 38-7 win over the Vikings. By the way, uh, in case you're wondering, Russell Wilson becomes the uh, uh, the first player in NFL history to finish with 4,000 yards passing, 30 touchdown passes, and at least 500 yards rushing. Unbelievable season for Russell Wilson. And uh, who said that he was uh, done? All right, let's talk about the last game. Green Bay at the Redskins at RFK Sunday afternoon at 4.30 on Fox.
1: Yeah, and as you said... Um... I have a nickname for this team in particular. I'm talking about Washington. I call them the Road Warriors because on the road as of lately, especially with Kirk Cousins, they have been very good. They've been dynamic. You like that? (laughs) You like that? Yes. (laughs) I like – and I'm buying what the Redskins are selling. I absolutely am. And of all the teams that are home, I think the Redskins are the ones that – would probably stand the best chance to win at home, as opposed to the Texans, Bengals, and Minnesota. Uh, that being said, I'm going to go with the Redskins here, and I'm going to go with them 21-23. to 23. It's going to be close. It's going to go down to the wire. But the Green Bay Packers offense isn't where they've been in the past, and that's why I have an issue. And they're going to go on the road, and that's another thing. They might be more experienced in Washington, but at the same time, Washington is at home. That could be an advantage. And I think between Cousins and Jackson and Reed, they can do enough to keep that offense off the field, and they can win this one.
0: Yeah, and I tell you, I just don't. Uh, I don't have any faith in this patchwork offensive line to protect Aaron Rodgers if he doesn't have time to throw uh really if any NFL quarterback don't have time to throw see Matt Ryan in the Falcons then um you know I don't think he has a chance so uh I like Washington in this game as well last but not least uh let me ask you this and we'll have to go after this but Matt Ryan uh obviously his lasting impression is the interception he threw that pretty much cost his team a chance at a uh, come from behind victory or actually it was a victory that would have broken the broken the tie there uh, at the end but uh you know, what is Matt Ryan going to have to do to get back on track?
1: Well, it's, it's not so much. Well, Matt Ryan, of course, has some work to do. But it's not so much what he'll have to do. It's what the Falcons have to do. And they have to take some pressure off of him offensively. we talked about this before. They need a better offensive line, as you said. Their interior is not good at all. They need to be able to run the ball a little bit more consistently. We've seen the success Matt Ryan can have when Devontae Freeman can take the load off of him. They need to get him a big time tight end as well to throw to. Every quarterback needs a big target to throw to because you, it's hard to miss them. plain and simple. It's hard to miss Gronkowski. It's hard to miss Julius Thomas if you're Blake Bortles and Tom Brady. So that said, they need to build around him. They aren't as stable as they've been in the past in terms of a offensive team. and Defensively, they're not all that good either, but in terms of Matt Ryan, he, they need to find a way to settle him down when he does drop back in the pocket. Um, another thing, they might want to look into getting another wide receiver to replace Roddy White as well, another young guy out there that might help as well. But I don't think it's all that much Matt Ryan's fault. Some of it is. Some of it is him just, you know, throwing the ball in the coverage where he doesn't need to, maybe need to throw the ball away at times. But then again, that offensive line hasn't been stable at all.
0: Well, James, listen, as always, brother, we appreciate you checking in with us. And, uh hey, we may actually uh, uh ask you to call back in tomorrow and talk some more NFL with us.
1: Oh, yeah, that's fine with me, absolutely. I'll be available tomorrow. And uh, just feel free to hit me up and uh, shoot me a text. I'll definitely be down to talk football or whatever the case may be tomorrow.
0: All right, brother. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Hey, listen, uh, James, as always, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for calling in. And, yeah, I'll uh, I'll get with you, uh, and we'll uh, bring you back in and continue our conversation. Talking NFL football, one of my favorite topics tomorrow.
1: Yes, sir. Thank you, Phil. Thank you, Money, And y'all
0: have a good one. You too, man. See you later, James. All right. James Johnson, ProFootballSpot.com. We'll take a break. <clears throat> when we return, we'll give you a chance to win some uh, free Dick's Wings and Grill. And also, Frank Stokowski, uh, he is sports director for one of the uh, Savannah Fox TV stations. He's going to be talking to us about his conversation with Tyson Summers and the addition of David Dean and Rand Gillespie over at Georgia Southern. So stay with us. That conversation with uh, my buddy Frank Stokowski coming up after the break. This is the Morning Drive. I'm Phil Jones. He's Monty Long. We are Fox Sports Radio. Valdosta. Good morning. I'm Spencer Van Horn and welcome to your Fox Sports Radio local sports update. Major League Baseball News Hall of Fame selection was last night and only two players will cross over to Cooperstown. Luckily, those two players are 90s sweethearts. Center fielder King